The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. The Festival Part 2. Down through the years, the festival had many distinguished visitors, as Kitty Brown remembers. We had ministers. We had the British ambassador, was a total gentleman. Absolutely gorgeous. All the women and whatever were after him. They followed him everywhere. And he used to, when the festival, when the show would be over, he'd come over to the Tower Hotel and he used to sit down with my husband and a few of the other committee. And he'd drink nothing, only paddy. And my husband, Michael, said to him, why do you drink paddy whiskey? I would have thought that you'd be drinking a scotch or something like that, you know. And he said, because he said, when I was in the Malays, he said, I got fever. And he said, the only thing that cured me, he said, was the paddy whiskey. So he said, I never stopped drinking it from that day to this. And he stayed up until seven o'clock in the morning talking about the festival and talking about where he had been. And when he left, when he was leaving Dublin that year, and he was going to uh, Malta to be the governor of Malta. But he was, he was gorgeous. He was a lovely man. But the wife, of course, didn't. She went up to bed to get her beauty sleep. They'd come down tonight and go back maybe the following morning. And Mary Robinson the same, uh, Sir Geoffrey Torrey, that was the British ambassador. And the American, Geoffrey uh, McLeod, I think was his name. He was there and his wife. We had Lamas. We had Sean, Sean T. O'Kelly. We used to get all those, we say, VIPs down one night. Maybe it'd be the first night of the festival, but mostly the, in the middle of the festival. As the years progressed, it was becoming obvious that the shift in the festival was towards younger casts and more energetic shows, as Liam, Joe and Kevin explain. And then you had the kind of change, you had Fiddler on the Roof, Guys and Dolls, Mac and Mabel, Man of La Mancha, The Bells Are Ringing, Chicago, Godspell, and towards the end of the 80s, you had Zorba. You know, these were changes. Again, these were the kind of shows that certain amount, Zorba had a certain amount of life in the UK, a certain amount of life in America, uh, and were going on very small venues, but they caught people's attention, and younger people were joining societies. Uh, societies were starting to grow in Ireland, starting to grow in Waterford as well. Then the youngsters, the young people coming along after me and others like me, because I, I'd say I was more or less the youngest and the original executive. So, uh, the young people coming along then, they only wanted to do the modern shows. And that's where you had a failing off. I mean, I got myself to the store. I said, I don't want to see that show anymore, that show, you know what I mean? Because I, I hadn't got used to it, I wasn't ready for the modern music. Unless you change your die. And whereas the crooners of yesteryear wouldn't make Top of the Pops today, the guys that are uh, making the, the charts today, certainly when you stand them up in terms of musical quality with 
the, the performers of yesteryear. There's no comparison. So the public have decided what they like. Now, like is very, very different from, from good or quality. Like is very, very different. So the fact that I may like a show does not necessarily make it a quality product, but it's what sells. As we entered the late 1980s and early 1990s, numbers of shows wanting to come to Waterford began to decline. Perhaps one of the largest factors was cost. Sean Dower and George King discuss. Well, it did. It was becoming increasingly difficult uh, to, to get societies because it was costing, uh, you know, I mean, I remember a Downfield Musical Society coming from Scotland and they showed me their itinerary. For, uh, when they arrived here, they were showing me their itinerary. And from the t- time they left uh, their, their home theatre in Scotland until they, they got back there again, everything was, was, was uh, pla- mapped and planned. They stayed their first night in Carlisle, then they they they, they uh, went to to Dublin, then Dublin to Waterford and that. But they uh, didn't. Uh, their members didn't have to pay um, towards the, the the length of time. Uh, during uh, the six months prior to the prior to the festival, in which they fundraised, and they spent an absolute fortune coming to Waterford. Putting on a show nowadays, as we all know, you cannot make money. It is absolutely impossible to make money. You put on a show by running raffles, all kinds of weird money-making schemes to try and get a few bob together. You run a cabaret here and you run this there and the other and a draw. Oh, God, the inevitable draw. The money isn't available. I mean, putting on a small show now for, for five days, say, is going to cost you... 60 to 70 grand at a minimum. I mean, if you take a society who performed their show in, in February or March and come back to, to, to do a one night competitive run in, in, uh, in Waterford in September or November as it is now, uh, they're still going to have a lot of cost. You might be saying, oh, they put on for seven nights or eight nights back in, in their home, their home theatre. But they're still going to have orchestras, they're going to have higher costumes, they're going to have to pay uh, copyright. Uh, the, the costs are still are still very high, even if it's only resurrecting for one night. But, uh, you know, I remember too um, a society from Belfast coming down and the subvention we had given them. We'll say at the time the subvention was three and a half thousand. They, they, they had been a weekend in a hotel in Waterford I saw their bill from the hotel for the weekend was over 7,000 and that was only one night where the the society sat down and had dinner. Uh, So therefore, you know, what we were giving societies no way compensated for what they were spending in Waterford. One of the great supporters of the festival of recent years has been Andrew Nicklin. Is he mad to keep coming despite the cost of bringing a show? Yes. Short answer. It's, uh, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. And um, over the years, it has only been possible with the support of the people who want to be here. Um, you know, it, it isn't possible to pick up a company and travel to Waterford from Nottingham or Derby or wherever um, and make it pay. It, it can't. It can't be done. So you rely upon people who believe that Waterford is worthwhile. Trent Opera have been something of a revelation in recent years in terms of the quality and type of shows that they have brought to the festival. Andrew Nicklin explains his love affair with Waterford and the festival. Well, I I first heard heard about Waterford through David Turner. 
um, and I was working on the GNS Festival in Buxton, which David Turner on that occasion was adjudicating. And he said, have you ever been to Waterford? And I said, well, no, I know about Waterford, but I've never been. And he said, well, in his view, it was the best audience for musicals that he'd ever encountered. And you ought to be there, he said. So I said, well, OK, we'll inquire and give it a whirl. Musicals were not new to me, and I was very keen to, to come and find out what was going on here. And it was just literally by, by that accident of talking to David. We've, we've, we've turned up on three occasions, if not four, with, with, with Sondheim. And whilst Sondheim is, for me, one of the most exciting musicals, writers um, of all time, um, there are certain shows which it would be arguably very difficult to, if, if you set your eye on the, the marking structure of the festival, it would be very difficult to justify turning up with Into the Woods or Pacific Overtures. The fact that I can, wherever I'm staying in Waterford, walk out, it hasn't happened to me today, and this is the first time I've been here in two years, but the fact that I can walk out into the street and within 10 or 15 minutes, somebody will say, oh, Andrew, it's you, and what are you bringing for us this year? I could, I could walk around Nottingham for 10 years and nobody would ever ask me that question. Uh, and, and the support that you get um, is terrific. Um, OK, I think people are also fairly honest, you know, if they, if they actually don't think that the contribution you made this year or the offering this year was quite as good as your last one, they'll, te they'll tell you that. But they'll tell you in the nicest possible way. And um, if they like what you do, then there is genuinely, and I mean, David Turner was right, there is genuinely no better audience. I hope that continues to be the case. Waterford has always been represented over the years in the festival. As we've already heard, the first year saw De La Salle enter Oklahoma, but success had been limited. Gary Power recalls two Waterford shows that finally broke through to some degree of success. How to Succeed in Business was the first award that I won as director, and it was for Best Amateur Director at the time. And it was with De La Salle College. And much to our surprise, we came away with a, a, a few awards out of it and one being for myself as director so it was a huge exciting moment I suppose in all our lives given the fact that we were from Waterford and, and this was a very young company who had done extremely well. When you're from Waterford and you're representing Waterford it's a huge sense of achievement and honour and I mean back in those days the festival was a huge festival. To have won those awards, we were just flabbergasted. I think we were actually just even thrilled to be in the festival and, and we didn't even sort of for one minute think that awards would come running our way and they did. And so it was a, a huge achievement for us, certainly back then in 1989. Individual awards and a fourth place finish was followed in 1992 with more success for Gary and Waterford with a second place finish for The King and I. The King and I was with De La Salle Musical Society. Now, this was the senior society. And um, we did a very, very classy, um, good production of, of The King and I. And it did extremely well in Ames in that year. And then we 
again enter the festival and believe it or not I came away with at that time I was working professionally so I came away with the best professional directors award I mean we were just over the moon um, we again um, Carrie Crowley received an award that year again the show itself received a good few awards and it was just the absolute highlight of our year and the highlight for me. Second place was achieved yet again in 1995 with Stage Fright's production of Oliver. But still that elusive first place was eluding the locals. The suggestion that Waterford shows couldn't win for years is one that is firmly rebuffed. And it, I mean, some people said Waterford, a Waterford Society will never win Waterford because you, do, you don't want the Waterford Society to win uh, because you won't get the UK societies to come anymore, you won't get Dublin societies to come anymore. I mean, we had an adjudicator. We employed adjudicators to do a job. We never, and certainly in my involvement, and I I have no doubt uh, my predecessors would have been the same, there was never any good, bad or indifferent an instruction to an adjudicator of who should win the first prize or who should win any of the individual awards. If you employ somebody to do a job, they should be given allowed to get on with that job, and um, therefore, the, the best, in my opinion, the best society always won. And it was great uh, th- that we did have Waterford winners. No, no question about that. That was great. Finally, in 2005, Flaggy Lane Productions make the breakthrough and won with Singing in the Rain and repeated their feat in 2006 with Guys and Dolls. Brian Collins remembers how important that was. That was the first time a Watford show ever won the festival. So we were absolutely over the moon. I'll never forget the night, the results. I was actually in backstage, gone out. I think we got six or seven individual awards. We were surrounded by Watford Crystal trophies and then Still, every time you go out to collect a trophy, the cheer was getting louder and louder and Sean Dower was there presenting the trophies with the adjudicator. Sean had a deadpan face. He would never give away anything. He, he knew the result, but he would never give away. And I was kind of looking, saying, please, Sean, tell me. And he would just look away. So it came anyway to the final adjudication, which was the best overall show. They announced the third place. They announced the second place. And we still weren't after being mentioned. So. Me, something Damien Welsh were there, our nerves totally shattered. And then the final moment came and they said, and the winning show is Singing in the Rain. So we were absolutely over the moon. The whole place went nuts. We could hear the cheers from outside. Everyone was out in the mall. WLR were interviewing everybody. But it was probably our best night ever, I suppose. My best night ever being involved in the festival. It's 2010, the 50th year. After two years in the wilderness, the festival has returned to the Theatre Royal stage. Kevin O'Carroll. The festival as it was, was not happening. Uh, Numbers were going down. The quality of show wasn't guaranteed. And a blind man could see that without a serious change in, um, in the overall event, that there was only one, uh, there was only going to be one outcome. The festival as we knew it has completely changed. Anne-Marie Caulfield explains. But the thinking really came from a series of reports. When the committee sat down to plan this year's festival, there were a series of reports from years past, all recommending that the uh, 
festival needed to expand into different areas and uh, attract new audiences. And that's why we've ended up with a festival which really incorporates four um, main elements, which is the light opera, high school for junior light opera people. Um, You have gospel and then you have fringe coming back and fringe is made up of a, a number of different things as fringe always would be. An event that used to run for up to 18 nights of competitive productions now has just seven, with very few traditional operettas. But there is a good reason for that. The the fact that you've got um, Gilbert and Sullivan represented there, it, they are represented there by uh, an English company. The festival doesn't uh, decide what shows companies do. The companies decide that. And if we have applications from uh, three or four fiddlers on the roof. Well, do you know what? We're probably not going to take three or four fiddlers on the roof. Uh, If we've only got one uh, GNS and it's from a reputable company with an excellent track record, we're going to take it. Uh, But if we had four GNSs in a seven-night festival, totally out of kilter. The new committee have worked extremely hard to change the perceptions that may have existed about the festival in the past. I think the festival has developed a bit of a reputation of, you know, it's difficult to get tickets or, you know, only certain people can go. And we have worked very, very hard this year. We're very conscious of that. And we've worked very hard this year to ensure that tickets are available to everybody. It is open to all. And I think that's the important thing about the festival for the future, that the whole city needs to know that this festival is for them. And as I said, we also want to encourage people nationally to come down to the festival. And there's been a great deal of interest and a lot of people coming over from the UK as well. So that's what the festival is about. It's for everyone. So what do others outside the committee think of the New Look Festival? It's changing its name for its 50th year and... If it survives this 50 years, it'll be no longer be Waterford the National Festival Light Opera. There's going to be a different show on the block and it'll be the Waterford International Festival of Music. I don't know why the International has to stay there anymore. It should probably just be the Waterford Festival or the Waterford Music Festival. I could see it go down all the time and I always said, to my family at home, I hope I live to see the 50th. Then when they can't, you know, there was no 50 because the theatre wasn't available. So I thought, oh, I'll never live. I'm 91 now, you see. So I thought I'll never live to see the end of it now if they stretched it out two years. But I'm still here anyway. Well, it's very different, I, I, I guess. Um, I, I've not, I didn't see Waterford in its absolute heyday, um, clearly to, for a festival to last... 50 years or 52 years now, whatever it is, um, is quite remarkable. I've been involved in the, um, in the GNS Festival from year three, and it's now heading towards its 18th, I think. Um, I don't think there's any chance of it making 50 years um, in its present format. It's remarkable that Waterford has survived that long. And... Um, I, I guess it started to fade a little over the last, what should we say, five years or something like that. Um, this present festival is really very important in looking to the future to see whether there is a viable festival for 51, 52, 53, 54. What of the future? Will there be one after this year? 
if the people come out to support the festival, in other words, if there are bums on seats, that secures the festival for the future. There's absolutely no doubt about that. If we get the numbers, we will be in a, a good place, as they say, from a break-even point of view. If it continues, I'd love to continue to come, um, providing I felt that we'd got something to, to, to offer. I think the future depends on, on this particular year. If they're not in the, bl- the black at the end of this year, and I would hope they would be, but it's not in the black at the end of this year, I think it would be extremely difficult to, um, to have another uh, four or five years of it. The future of the Waterford International Festival of Light Opera is in safe hands. A new committee with new ideas has revolutionised what was once a 19-night competitive festival into a city-wide event with numerous different sub-festivals and fringe events. If it is to be the last festival, Kevin O'Carroll is refreshingly honest about this year's effort. Whoever has been associated with this uh, rebranded, relaunched, reinvigorated, uh, brain-transplanted festival, um, then they will certainly be credited with giving it one final really good shot. Don't go down without a fight. Waterford has got a strong amount of, must have five or six theatre stage training schools who are feeding into that dream. De La Salle College fed into that dream. I mean, there's Brian Flynn who played the drums in the festival orchestra at one time, and now he's directing a touring professional show of fame, The Musical. People's dreams start small sometimes and people get a chance to go on and work. And it was the festival and De La Salle musicals, schools musicals, any, who enthused people to believe they could have a career in theatre, they could have a career in show business. And you can name 10, 20 people who have careers in show business, who are going on, who are appearing in television, who are making a professional living at it. That came from having a festival in Waterford. That came from having stage schools in Waterford. Uh, these things will, they create their own need and it, it travels on and it, does, it goes on, you know? There was something special about the festival and its period of whatever it was, 10 days. You did all want to know what was going on in the, the festival club afterwards, you know. There was many people just wanted to go there and see that talent being shown in, in, in their own little concerts after the shows. I don't know, maybe there's so much on television now that came up against uh, different talent and looking for different things. Maybe people just got tired of it. We all loved our festival fortnight when it came on. I think the festival is very important to Waterford. It's, it has a, a wonderful legacy of 50 years of music and culture in the city. It is a great contributor to the cultural life of the city and I, and I, and I think it also helps to bring in business. But So for all sorts of reasons, it's a very, very important festival in Waterford City. Um, so I'm a bit worried. I hope it doesn't die before I die. <laughs> The festival was part-funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland's Sound and Vision Scheme. Lowe's knows you're the powerhouse who does it right to show your yard who's boss. We do it right too, with innovative Craftsman string trimmers featuring Easy Start technology for simpler pull starts. And because you can swap out one attachment for another, you can get more done with just one tool. Shop now and add a new trimmer to your arsenal with a Craftsman two-cycle gas string trimmer for just $99. When it's time to take on the yard work, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 320. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you're the powerhouse who does it right to show your yard who's boss. 
we do it right too with innovative craftsman string trimmers featuring easy start technology for simpler pull starts and because you can swap out one attachment for another you can get more done with just one tool shop now and add a new trimmer to your arsenal with a craftsman two cycle gas string trimmer for just 99 dollars when it's time to take on the yard work do it right for less start with lowe's offer valid through 320 see store for details us only